Let me give you a little update before we get into the message. Um, the platoon of Marines we adopted, uh, there's about 40 of them. And uh, I guess at some point, one of them, um, somebody was added into the platoon, right, Rachel? We looked, and he wasn't on the original list. Oh, he got left off. One of the guys that we didn't adopt then because he was left off the list lost both of his legs the other day. Um, I guess a couple weeks ago, and so he's already back at Walter Reed. Um, I'm not saying he is the only one who's really been seriously injured because we didn't adopt him, but it is interesting that, uh, as far as I know, all the Marines we've adopted are, are safe and sound right now. Uh, so keep praying for them. Uh, they've got some intense stuff coming up. Um, yeah, I think if we're honest, Sometimes we'd have to say that the, the Christian life just isn't working for us. Um, like the first song we sang, you know, my heart, it's prone to wander. And then, you know, the last couple of songs, you know, that just talk about really Jesus and being um, raised from the dead and seated at, you know, God's right hand. And, and, and all that's true, but boy, we just, we don't seem to experience it. So for you today, how frustrating is the Christian life? Or are you experiencing some victory? I think if we're honest, for a lot of us, myself included a lot of days, it's pretty frustrating. We keep seeing, we, we, we battle the same things over and over and things don't seem to change. And, and, and if we look around, like our relationships, they're not really all that different from those who don't even know Christ. We experience conflict, and we experience divorce. And we have financial problems that we worry about and stress over. And, and it just, I don't know, sometimes it doesn't seem like there's really that much difference to being in the faith. It's frustrating. And, you know, you read, you read we're some of us talking this morning in Romans 7 where Paul's talking about Boy, I keep doing the very thing I don't want to do. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul. Was there a greater man of Christ than him? And yet he said, I keep doing the very thing I don't want to do. And the thing that I want to do, I don't do that. He was frustrated. And I tend to think he was probably a little less frustrated than we get, or maybe less often. But still, what's missing for us? Like, do you ever think, okay, God is supposed to be living inside me? Shouldn't, shouldn't I be more different than I am? Shouldn't, shouldn't I feel more than I do? Shouldn't I be experiencing more than I do? What is up with that? What's missing? Well, I want to talk about this morning what's missing. And I think what we can do about it. And I hope for some of you, this, is, this might be some new information. For some of you, it might feel like, yeah, I've heard that before. But try to hear it with fresh ears this morning. Because maybe having heard it before, it's become way too familiar. And I wonder, like, I used to be on staff with Campus Crusade a long time ago. And Bill Bright, who was the founder, he only talked about really three things. Every time you heard, he was the most godly man I'd ever met. And I only ever heard him talk about three things. Keep Jesus as your first love. 
be filled with the Holy Spirit, and fulfill the Great Commission. That's all he ever talked about. The basics of the Christian life, that's all he ever talked about. And probably, maybe other than Jesus and the Apostle Paul, I would say Bill Bright has had more impact on the world in terms of spreading the gospel than any man in history. But he just never left the very basics. It's always what he brought us back to. So we're going to go back to the basics this morning. We're going to do that um, in, uh, we're going to start out in Acts chapter 16. So if you have a Bible or a, whatever device you're using uh, for your Bible, or if you don't have either of those, you can just look on the back of the worship guide too. And uh, we're going to pick up in, in uh, Acts chapter 16. And let me just say before we get into that, that... Um, if, if reading the Bible is a struggle for you because it's like, I don't know what to read, it's, it's slow, it's boring, I don't understand it, uh, you, none of those excuses will work in the book of Acts. It's practical, it's, it's, uh, it's really Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke just chronicling these missionary journeys and, and the establishment of the church. It's, there's awesome stuff in there. It's fast-paced. Anybody can understand it, okay? So if, if reading the Bible has been a struggle, let me encourage you, start reading the book of Acts. And it really, the, the book of Acts kind of breaks out into three major sections. You've got really chapters one through seven, um, and that takes about two years. And this is just from when Jesus ascends back to heaven and he says, hey, don't go anywhere, stay in Jerusalem, until you receive the Holy Spirit that my Father promised. And then once the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, what happens in those first couple of years? So we see the establishment of the church. And, and really the main character there in one sense is Peter. Okay, in the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, main character there, Jesus, right? Not that Jesus isn't the main character of the whole Bible, but really when you get into the book of Acts... Really, the first part of Acts, Peter's kind of the main character, although we're going to look at who the real main character is in a minute. But then you've got chapters 8 to 15. Peter is still really prominent there, but we do see this other guy come on the scene, and his initial name is Saul, and later it's changed to Paul. And that, that middle section is about 12 years. And then the third section of Acts, which is what we're going to pick up uh, this morning, really the main character there, chapter 16 to 28, and it covers probably 16 years, main character there is now Paul. And we're picking it up on one of their missionary journeys, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just start reading in verse 1. Uh, he, talking about Paul, he came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him. How would, how would that be for a requirement to go on a mission trip? You not only got to raise your money, you got to be circumcised. Now, why was that important? Well, it's because... Uh, they knew, the Jews in the area, they knew his father was a Greek. So he would have been uncircumcised. And now to go to the Jews in that area, that would have probably caused them to stumble. 
I think sometimes we, we, we uh, I guess we draw this real clear line of demarcation between uh, Judaism and Christianity. It's really not there in the Bible. It, 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 we tend to read this through, you know, 2,000 years of hindsight and kind of with a Greek mindset that somehow... You know, they stopped becoming Jewish and they became Christians. Their, their Jewish roots and their faith and even in many cases observance of the law kind of carried over. And that got them into some troubles when they began to see the law as a way to be saved. And that's really the book of Galatians where Paul gets all over them for uh, wanting to revert back to being saved by law. But anyway, not wanting the Jews to stumble, he, he circumcises Timothy. And uh, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. Now, what that's referring to is back in chapter 15, you know, the church has begun to grow. And, and initially, it was growing really just in Jerusalem. Those first couple of years until... When you get to chapter 8, and you remember when Stephen is stoned to death and a great persecution breaks out among the church, that's when things began to spread. Okay, but for those first couple of years, it was pretty much Jewish believers. And, and so the, the, the church is growing, um, they're traveling around, and, you know, we, we don't have this... We don't have this distinction between really the Jewish way of life and Christianity going on here. All right. Um, as they traveled from town to town, they're delivering these decisions. And it was really this council that had met in Jerusalem. And they were trying to figure out, what do we do with these Gentiles, these non-Jews that are coming to faith in Christ? What, what, don't they have to obey some of the law? And so Paul and Peter and some of the other apostles, they met, they had this council in Jerusalem, they tried to figure out, all right, what are we going to tell these new believers in Christ? Because they were amazed that God was calling Gentiles to even be saved. I mean, if you read the Old Testament, you do get this sense that God was saying, don't even associate with the Gentiles. Don't. Don't make yourselves impure by marrying with them and living among them because they will turn your hearts away from me. So this is a big deal that unless you're, unless you're Jewish, unless your ancestry is Jewish, we're Gentiles. This is a big deal that we got included, that Jesus died for us too. So you've got all these Gentiles coming to faith and the Jewish believers are trying to figure out what what part of the law do they need to follow? And so they came up with some instructions, and they weren't really all that burdensome. And so as Paul and Timothy are going around to these churches, they're giving them the instructions that came out of this, this council in Jerusalem. So that's what that's talking about there. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. All right, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And we've got a map. Is it up? Can we put the map up? Um, just so you can kind of get a sense. 
So, you know, when you're reading the book of Acts, it'd probably be good if your Bible doesn't have a map in the back, just Google one, okay? Because it really helps to understand, just give some context. Where are these guys going? When it says they went from this place to this place, where, where were they? And if you look, it's probably easier to see on the monitors, but um, Phrygia and Galatia, um, I don't know if you can see where Antioch is. That, it's over in that area, kind of where it says Asia. Um, that's kind of the area they're in right now. And it says they were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Kept by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who's the main character in the book of Acts. I mean, the book of Acts, it's, it's, it's really short for the Acts of the Apostles. Really what it ought to be short for is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, when Jesus ascended, what did he say? He said, stay here in Jerusalem because you don't have the power to do what I need you to go do now. You wait here until the gift that my father promised comes upon you. And then on the day of Pentecost, I, I was doing a wedding in Kansas City last night, and um, it was real. Was it windy here yesterday? It was really windy up there. I mean, when I left my hotel to go to the church, I had some clothes on a hanger. I mean, everything was blowing, and it, the wind was loud. And it just reminded me of, if you want to go back and read it in Acts 2, where the disciples are gathered in that room, and they hear what sounded like a violent rushing wind. And then they saw what looked like tongues of fire resting on each of them. And that was the Holy Spirit coming into them. And so Jesus knew, you, you cannot go and be my witnesses. You cannot go and make disciples. In fact, you really can't do anything unless my spirit, the Holy Spirit, is in you to give you the power to do it. So Paul and Timothy and his companions are traveling, and it said they were kept by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has a will. He has a plan. He had a plan for these guys, and he has a plan for you. What's cool about that is um, he lives in you. He lives in me. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God lives in us, and he has a will for us. And he wants to involve us in what he's doing in history. I mean, Paul and his companions, they're, they're traveling around in Phrygia and Galatia, and they're going to find their way over into Europe in a minute, but we live in Fayetteville. He's at work here. And just as Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We're the uttermost parts. And the Spirit is still at work. He's in you and He has a will for you and for Fayetteville and for this campus. So they're, he, they're kept from going into the province of Asia. So why is that? Well, verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, which is just, you know, a little bit to the, uh, to the west, 
They tried to enter Bithynia, which is back up now into Asia again. They're, I mean, have you ever done that? Like, you have a plan. You have a will. Apparently, Paul and his companions wanted to go to Asia. And the Holy Spirit had to say, you're not going to Asia. What's interesting is we don't really know how the Holy Spirit kept them from going into Asia and Bithynia. Like, we don't know, did they hear a voice? Were there violent storms? Were there armed guards? We don't know. I mean, if, if it was laid out for us, we'd probably think, well, that has to happen every time for the Holy Spirit to speak to me, to lead me and guide me. But we don't know. But somehow the Holy Spirit kept them from going into Asia and into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. I love that he refers to now the Holy Spirit as also as the Spirit of Jesus. Again, I go back to Bill Bright. What he used to get up every morning before he really even stood on his feet, he'd roll out of bed and get on his knees and ask Jesus to walk around in his body. That is the Spirit-filled life. When, when it's in, five, in Ephesians 5.18, what says to be filled with the Spirit, in John 15, when Jesus is talking about, I'm the vine, you're the branches, remain in me and I'll remain in you, that is, that's what we're talking about here. That's the Spirit-filled life. That is Jesus living through us. That is us as a branch remaining connected to the vine. And it comes through Surrender. I know um, the most frustrating time in my Christian life was about two and a half years after I'd become a Christian. Uh, I had come to Christ through Campus Crusade in my freshman year of college, a long time ago. And about two and a half years into it, I was just frustrated. I, now I knew how I was supposed to live, but I couldn't do it. And I'd been taught, but I just don't think I got it. And just, I was very, very frustrated by sin. I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get past where I was. And I still remember that summer right before my senior year of college, sitting there, I think I was just sitting there on my bed in my, in my fraternity. I'd stayed on campus that summer. And I just said, I give up. I give up. I don't care. Do whatever you want with me. And God heard me, amazingly. And the most, to that point, the most fruitful season of ministry of God using me followed within a couple months. And then I met my wife. And then God changed my whole career path away from where I'd always desired to be in the hospitality industry to now go into ministry. And that all started out of just frustration and me finally saying, I mean, I don't even know if I really thought God was hearing me. I don't even know if I really even thought it was a prayer. I was just giving up. I didn't care anymore what God did with me. I just didn't want to keep living the way I was. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe your marriage isn't working, your business isn't working, your finances aren't working. Maybe nothing is working. And it's because rather than living this supernatural life, 
this God-empowered, this Holy Spirit-empowered life, you've been trying to do it just in your strength. And that doesn't work. It wasn't intended to be that way. Jesus knew that. God knows that. This is impossible to live out in your strength, in my strength. Impossible. You'll only end up where I've ended up more than once, just completely frustrated and having to once again say, I give up. I don't care. Do whatever you want with me. So the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go into Bithynia. So they passed by Mysia and they went down to Troas. Verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, what's interesting there, um, well, first of all, we have a team right now in Macedonia. There's six of them. Um, my wife is leading a team of my daughter and Karen Bonner and uh, Dan Metter, Lauren Bevan, and Barbara Thalman. And uh, they're over there to try to get Young Life launched in the country of Macedonia. And we've been following them on Twitter and Facebook, and there's some really cool stuff happening already. And they've got another, well, it's dinner time over there now, but they've got another four days there, and then they're going back to Bulgaria uh, to fly out on Saturday. But um, I love the fact that we have a team right now uh, sent out by our church and Young Life to go to Macedonia. I wonder, I wonder in Fayetteville, I wonder if on the campus and in the high school, how many are saying, come over here and help us? And maybe they don't even, they don't even know that that's what they're crying out. They just know life isn't working. They need help. And the spirit of Jesus lives in you. And what if he's going to call you to help that person at work or in your neighborhood or at school or in your family? The couple that uh, I married last night, um, as I took them through premarital counseling and then um, their wedding ceremony, I talk about three keys to a joyful, fulfilling, exciting marriage. And it's three words. It's be, receive, and deny. Be the person, or be the right person. Receive your mate as a gift from God, and deny yourself. But the most important one is the first one. Because you really can't do the other two until you do the first one. Be the right person. And I talk about being filled with God's spirit. Marriage doesn't work, ministry doesn't work, business doesn't work, at least not the way God intends it, if we do it in our own strength. It has to be God-empowered. 
It has to be the spirit of Jesus living through us. The best husband is Jesus living through that person. The best wife, I know it sounds weird, but is Jesus living through that person. The best business owner, student, employee, son or daughter, is Jesus living his life through that person. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And that begins with, I give up. I don't care anymore. Do whatever you want with me. My will goes away. And what I want is him to live through me. So their conclusion is that God's calling them to go to Macedonia. There's, there's no more wrestling now. It's, we've had a vision, Holy Spirit speaking, we're going to Macedonia. That's why he didn't allow us to go to Asia. We get frustrated sometimes when we can't go do what we want to do. But what if the Holy Spirit has something so much better if we just waited a little while and trusted him? It's interesting. Um, this is the first time in the book of Acts, there in verse 10, where Luke inserts himself into the story. After Paul had seen the vision, we... Now Paul's part of the, or Luke is part of the story. And so we have a firsthand account of what's happening. It's not just Luke having done the research and talked to the eyewitnesses. He's an eyewitness himself, and we're getting firsthand what these guys started to do. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to go and preach the gospel to them. Let me just say a couple other things about the Holy Spirit as we wrap up. If you want to turn uh, in your Bible, look at, um, look at John 14 for a minute. In verse 15, this is the night, uh, this is soon before Jesus is about to be arrested and crucified. And he's having this this lengthy conversation with his disciples. And in verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Another counselor. I mean, Jesus was their counselor while he walked with them on earth, but in, in Acts, Jesus isn't there anymore. It's the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus actually says, it's better. It, it's for your good that I go away because then the Holy Spirit will come. Wouldn't it be awesome to walk around with Jesus at your side all day? Would you be afraid of anyone? Would you ever be like terrified of, of a situation or I don't know how I'm going to handle this? We have Jesus right there. But he said, I have something even better than that. The Holy Spirit will be in you. I mean, think about it. When Jesus walked on the earth, he could only be in one place at a time. The Holy Spirit, if you have placed your faith in Christ, he's in you right now. And he is a counselor to you. You don't know what to do. You're not sure where to go, who to marry, what major to have, what job to take, who you should live with next year, you have a counselor. 
doesn't mean you don't ever get counsel from others, but you have the Spirit of God in you, and He uses this primarily to speak to us. doesn't mean He can't speak in other ways and through other people, but I'd always be careful who you're listening to if the person you're listening to isn't soaked in this. And you have the Spirit of truth. Look at, um, look at verse 25. All this I've spoken while still with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. You have someone in you who will remind you of this and teach you and counsel you. And look at, uh, look at chapter 16, verse 12. I love this. Jesus said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Do you need to know the truth? You have the spirit of truth in you who will guide you into truth. And I love that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit didn't come to exalt himself. He came to exalt Jesus. And so the Spirit lives in us to proclaim Jesus, to produce the life of Jesus in us. Now, here's the thing. When I was talking with Kyle, the, the, the groom uh, that I married last night, talked to him the other day, and one of the things that they were kind of struggling with was the seating chart at the reception. And who sits where, and first, I think their first pass, they had all the kids in the front, and I think they realized, well, that doesn't make any sense, so they moved the kids to the back and put the adults near the front, but, you know, family dynamics, you know, who sits with who and where, and, and, I, and I, it just got me thinking that if we invited God to our wedding, you know where I think he'd sit? He'd sit in the back. Unless he got invited to the front. I mean, Philippians 2 talks about Jesus' humility. That he didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself a servant and became obedient even obedient to death on a cross. God himself is humble. I don't know how that can be. But if he was invited to our wedding, he'd sit in the back. Unless we invited him to come and sit in the front. And really his rightful place would be in front of all of us. But he doesn't force him. Have you noticed that? He doesn't force his way in your life. He is content. He doesn't like it, but he's content to allow us to just have him sit in the back of our lives. And he doesn't force his way to the front. But he loves to be invited. And we invite him by just simply giving up. If, if we've got the seat in front, he will not make us get out of it. He's just going to wait patiently back there in our lives. He's not leaving us, but he'll wait until we get out of that seat and we say, this is your seat. 
you deserve to be here. So if, if it's not working for you, it just, the Christian life has been a frustration and there's those sins you can't get past, that relationship that just is continually in conflict, your finances that are just crumbling down around you. Now, don't hear me say you surrender control and magically by the end of the week, everything's better. I've noticed God, I used to pray a lot for breakthroughs. Oh, Lord, give me a big breakthrough this week. You know what I need. And usually those never happened. But when I would look back, little by little by little, somehow things changed. And isn't that, isn't that real change when we, we make progress little by little? Like if we have to lose weight, we don't lose the weight all at once. It comes off little by little by little. And we look back and, man, I've lost 60 pounds. So you, you might not see a big breakthrough, but if change is going to take place in your life little by little, it, why not start today with it? By just giving up, just surrendering. Matt, why don't you come up and we'll do, we'll do one song and, um, and then Jonathan will come up and close us out. But maybe during this song, it's, it's time to, it doesn't matter if you have a noble purpose for doing it or not. Maybe you just realize, you know what? The right thing to do is to have Jesus sit in the front and for me to move to the back in my life. If you're there, and you, that's great. But if you're just frustrated and you've got nothing else to lose, well, you can just pray that too. It worked for me. But also realize it's an everyday refilling because we tend to, wander, don't we? Lord, um, we do wander and our hearts just seem bent on going our own way. And just like uh, Paul and his companions kept trying to get into Asia, but you, by your spirit, you counseled them, you kept them from going to Asia, and then you called them to go to Macedonia. And we thank you that, uh, Holy Spirit, you keep us from doing going the wrong way. You, um, you counsel us. You're the spirit of truth. You lead us into truth. You remind us of what Jesus taught. And I pray that for each of us, we would just come to the place of giving control to you and letting you move to the front in our lives and letting us take the back seat. Amen.